All right, welcome to another uh, Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. I'm Chase McCarthy. Wait, who am I? Uh, Argue of J. Blue, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Robert Jackson, yeah. that's my name. Yeah. Today, we got a really action-packed episode. It's going to be a little shorter than last week's. We're trying to get back into a more regular routine, so a little bit smaller of a format. And we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to be talking, we're going to do a quick Octane uh, check-in, talking about some template co-location. And then we're going to talk about the 2019 call for blog posts that was just released. And I believe that uh, that's going to continue. The call for blog posts is going to continue all the way on to the 20th of June. Is that right, Rob? So 17th, I think the current 17th. end of thing, time is. The 17th, Though obviously, so. we'll continue to read them, right? Like, right, just, right. You're not yeah. allowed to blog about Ember after that. <laughs> no, no more blogging. More Get blogging. out of here. <laughs> All right, so first up, we have a Octane check-in. We're going to talk a little bit about a template co-location RFC. This is something that a lot of people have asked me about and I haven't read up on yet. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, hopefully Robert what? will be able to, uh, what is this to stuff, explain Rob? it. Wait, wait, yeah. hold on. Before we get into that, should it be like the Octane refuel? Or like... Refuel. What do you think? I was thinking yeah, you like... Know, there, there could be a thing here. I was yeah. thinking like checking Octane levels. Mm, okay, yeah. got it. Nice. Got it. Okay, yeah, so this template co-location thing is basically a way for us to sort of iteratively land some of the the ergonomic improvements that we wanted to get out of modification, like today in current apps. So the the rough, the super high level rough TLDR here is that you can put a template in the same directory with the same name as your component JS file, like wherever that is, like app components foo.js, you can have an app components foo.hps and it'll work. And that's fine. How? How? Well, the how is not terribly important. However, the post does go, or the uh, the RFC goes into the specifics. But basically, the idea is that the the template is so at compile time, the template is associated with the base class that you export from your you know foo.js file, like your app components foobar or whatever uh, component file, via something akin to how you you imagine calling like ember.helper.helper, right? Like it's the same kind of thing. Like there's going to be a weak map. It's going to associate the, the class and the template together. But the, the good thing is this solves a number of problems. So for example, today in an app, if you have a component that extends from another component, you have to do shenanigans to get the template to also inherit, right? The default add-on blueprint for components does this. That's why it imports the layout and sets layout as a property on the ember.component. But of course, that doesn't work in Glimmer components or Sparkles components or the new style components because you can't have this layout property. Anyways, so the so associating the template with the base class means that now the base class is the thing, is this like portable unit that is knows about how to what its template is and what its what its like JS implementation is or TypeScript or whatever. That's the rough gist. The other thing is the there's a lot of conversation on this post about like well it seems kind of frustrating to to do this change this like iterative change when we plausibly are going to be replacing it with something in modification and i think Yehuda and i both tried to guide the conversation in this in this thread to be more along the lines of like well modification is probably not going to land in the way that we thought it was and almost certainly uh, we can't do this sort of big bang thing like we, we like we thought. It's been what two and a half years, three years since we merged that RFC. In the multiple first time. multiple Ember comps that has yes. been mentioned, and it's just that it's too much. We can't we can't do it all at once. We need to do what we're what we've been doing well. I think in the recent times, which is make small iterative improvements 
that don't prevent us from doing other things in the future and, and make, make our developer lives better, right? So that's, that's what this is trying to be. Now, I, I have other thoughts on MU and we can talk about them. But in general, this thing is not in conflict with module unification. What we're saying is this is just the way that you do side-by-side template and JS stuff. Right. So it starts with components. Eventually, we'll have so, another RFC that does the same thing for routes, probably in their templates. That yeah. Kind of thing. So, my, my first question is just going to be like, how does this play alongside the existing file system architectures? So, like, will this play nicely with pods? Because pods kind of already do this. So, pods, I mean, not the, pods not, does not the same way. different naming. Yes, exactly. So, so that, that's another conversation piece in here. But roughly, the way pods has you do the same sort of thing is you have app components the name of your component and then a, as a folder name and then component.js and template.hps. And this, this went a different route. This used the same exact file name, just the only difference being the extension. Either are like quote-unquote fine. There's no specific reason we couldn't have done the other naming. It's just that it seemed less ergonomic, like less good to be component.js and template.hps. For example, requiring a folder all the time seems a little bit bizarre when oftentimes you're going to have template-only components. That's a pretty sure. common thing, right? So just to have a folder with one file in is like, what the heck are you doing? And, and having that be the default design, right? Like the only way to do it. So yeah, It uh, also seems that there's an API exposed that will allow you to kind of override the standard location. Is that correct? Well, yeah, you can you can call the... So this, this RFC proposes both the on-disk locations, like the, the way you'd use it, but also like it provides the underlying implementation as public API that you could author your own thing and, and call this like set component template method yourself to associate right. the template you're on, your, on your own. That, that it's, could also be used by something like the single file components RFC that's also pending that I think we've talked about once or twice. But it's, it's like a good base primitive to say, okay, here's a component, here's its associated template, like Go framework, you link them together. Good, good luck. Um, that's, <laughs> good the, luck. <laughs> that's the idea. And and so, but specifically to the pods point, I think the the rough answer is pods were an awesome experiment. I implemented the initial version of pods after reading a literal one sentence description of what the idea was from a core team blog post way before I was on the core team, and. That experiment has run its course, and we actually need to get to a thing where we're all converging back on a single structure. That's the point, right? Yeah, um, classic, right? Ha- having, yeah. having pods and classic and mod unification as all potential ways to do your app is not what we want. That's not the future. Like we, we want to basically start with classic and iterate towards the thing that made MU nice to us. Are right? you saying that you want to unify on a single module system? Uh, well, maybe we could have a module <laughs> unification. Ah, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. We'll, we'll have to come up with an RFC for that. I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be a, Maybe a name, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, this seems really cool. I, I, I especially like the fact that it, it seems like this is something that you could use pretty quickly, and it would probably go back. I mean, I, I'm not sure of the underlying implementation, but with the API keys, you could probably go back and, like, do some manual bookkeeping yourself by Im- importing that public API and you could start using this soon. Is that is that also a yeah, so, correct so, assumption? Yeah, uh, so Godfrey, Chan, and I have been like sort of ping-pong pairing for a couple of sessions now to implement this feature, like to see what does it take? Is it actually possible to implement? How long is it to adopt? Is it going to be another three-year boondoggle? Or is it a thing that we can take up and start using right away? And uh, in, in, at this point, we basically have it working. 
So there's a small couple of small tweaks to do some end-to-end tests, but there were some small changes required in Ember CLI and then changes in the template compiler and Ember itself. So, so basically, yes, I think the short answer is sometime before Octane ships, we'll actually be able to have this as a thing that can be used in the next version or two, something like that. Like, yeah, that's um, awesome. the, the, the question of whether it can be polyfilled or not, I usually like to wait until the implementation is fully done because it's hard. Like, it's like you're chasing your tail. You, you don't know exactly what the final state's going to be, so it's hard to do right. an accurate polyfill. Due to the way some of the changes were in Ember CLI, polyfilling is a tad bit difficult. So just to get into the weeds here for a second, Ember CLI was internally filtering the tree past the template compiler, so it didn't have access to the JS file. So it couldn't do the association between template and JS. It was oh, just I like see. fundamentally assuming you take in an HPS file, you emit a single JS file, and that's how it works. So we had to we had to fix some of those filtering shenanigans. The, the good news is that fixing that also improves performance of the build pipeline. So win-win. Yeah. So, but uh, but it's pr- we can probably polyfill them, but it'll be like we would be basically monkey patching specific versions of CLI, and we just have to have a matrix of the ones to monkey patch, which is how a lot of the polyfills that I've done for the stuff work. But I I just don't like to do it before there's a like a release version, and that's the gold standard. And now you say, okay, well, when the polyfill isn't needed, it works, and then you can say, okay, well, polyfill for this version and test that in CI, and then this version and that version, and so on. Right, and and since this is part of our uh, our octane refuel section, what are we calling it again? Uh, checking the octane levels. Che- that's yes. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was Chase's. Come on, uh, I, I forgot ge- it. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Chase's Chase's genius. <laughs> so uh, since that's part of this section, I'm assuming this is this is intended to ship with octane. Well, so there's there's a a bit of conversation on that in the in the thread. I, Godfrey and I both very much want to ensure that this is included in Octane, and we're actually working hard to make that true. However, technically, we're not coupling it with Octane. If it doesn't make the train, if you will, then it just won't. We're not going to hold Octane for this feature, basically, is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Uh, But like I said before, the implementation is roughly done, and Octane is unlikely to ship any before this would be enabled. So so we're we're fine on the timeline there. I highly... I would be very, very surprised if it didn't end up in the, the version that included Octane. Right. Cool. Yeah, that sounds great. So uh, we will link to the RFC. It's uh, RFC 41 on the RFC's repo. And uh, yeah, be sure to, to weigh in and, and chime in and see and let your, let your voice be heard. All right, you had one more note to talk about, Rob, and that was uh, track properties. Yeah. Uh, what's up with that? Yeah, so lots of the implementation of this happened on... Canary and folks have tested out the initial implementation, which did a bunch of internal work. But the side effect of which was that all observers went from synchronously firing to asynchronously firing. And as folks were testing and adopting, like trying it out in their apps and stuff, there was a bit of some breakage folks reported with that change. It's a overall a low number of like reported regressions, but still, obviously, regressions are regression. So we just recently made some changes to change the way that that works to make it more compatible and hopefully perfectly compatible, but we need people to test. So if you checked out track properties before or Octane itself, the blueprint or an app before, please uh, update the the version and, and try it again if you're running into problems and let us know. Lots of all of the reported issues that prevented people from being able to upgrade their apps were fixed by this this tweak that landed yesterday, two days ago, a couple days ago. And so, uh, so I think it's ready for another look. 
Cool. Yeah. So uh, we will post a link to that RFC as well again. And then we wanted to talk about the 2019 call for blog posts quickly. There's already been a, an avalanche of blog posts. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to talk about all of them. So we wanted to talk about a few you know, overarching considerations that have been kind of cropping up in different RFCs. As you know from last year's blog posts, the, the Octane edition kind of fell out of it. And that's something that Yehuda talks about briefly in his blog post. I believe there were three that were initially launched with the Ember JS, like the official blog post, one by Melanie Sumner, one by Yehuda, and one by Preston Sago. And yeah, it seems like uh, it seems like the there will be another edition that follows this. Is that right, Rob? Uh, probably. But the point of the the goal of blog post is just to decide the direction and like, okay, Octane is well on its way. We know the features that are going to be in it. What's next? What's the what's 2019? and the early part of 2020 look like for Ember. And it's asking for a feedback and for folks to come back and let us know, like, what are they looking for? What would they like to see happen? And that kind of thing. That's the whole idea. Now, it is totally possible that there is no edition after Octane for a little while, and that's fine. But it also seems totally reasonable that we would have one again. The decision of whether to make an edition or not will probably come after we decide, well, what features do we need to add do they introduce a like this incoherence uh, time frame? And if they do, then we'll have another edition when everything is sort of back to a coherent. Okay, now now you can we can teach you these this set of things. But it's see, totally possible that all of the things work well independently and don't introduce any incoherence. And I just don't think we would need an in, in, a new edition if that is true. Like if it's just additive right. changes or fixing yeah, so, things and so the, stuff. So the promise of the additions was to reduce the level of incoherence as features are added and then kind of like publish when there is a, you know, like, hey, this works, all of these things work very well together. Yeah. And that that process is going to like, unless, unless like the process is kind of fixed and the call for blog posts will, it'll be, depending on how how the feature what features are are prioritized right like yeah. whether or not that actually does the exactly. like falls into the category of when we would do an addition exactly and you can imagine introducing new features that just work today have no amount of incoherence and they're just very nicely layer in then like let's do it there's no reason necessarily for an addition, addition in that realm if you go back and look at the time just before we did octane or proposed octane lots of the features were in on their own were already landing things like Custom classes, sorry, custom component classes and stuff. But like the blog, po- or sorry, the guides and the docs still largely talked about the quote unquote old world because like it was really difficult to explain to someone how to use them because all the pieces hadn't landed yet. So, like, yeah, sure, you can use Sparkles component or Glimmer component as a base class, but you don't have any DOM access. So, good luck with that. That's the idea. That's the kind of thing with the incoherence that I'm talking about. Definitely, definitely. So some of the things that we noticed, we picked up, I want to say like six six or so uh, different blog posts just to kind of have a discussion, kind of get a, a sounding board for, for things that we noticed. And it was the three that came with the thing and then uh, one by Isaac Lee and then one by Scott Batson. And then Rob, you wrote one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the things that, uh, that we noticed that were kind of coming to the surface in a lot of these blog posts were things like accessibility routing, Specifically around, like, I'm assuming uh, screen readers, like from my understanding of accessibility, it's making sure that, because right now I don't think it's push state events, which we rely on to deal with routing. Mm -hmm. They don't actually really 
notify any any readers of anything. Yeah, right, right now, like if you navigate in an Ember app or or most single page apps, honestly, if you navigate, you click a link or something, and it navigates internal to to the app. The screen readers often don't know that you did anything because you just updated the DOM right. and then right. did a you know did some push state pop state stuff in the in the URL, but they don't know to reread the page or say okay stuff's updated and start reading it out. Right. It's a su- uh, Melanie has a great section in her blog post, and I think Yehuda also called it out in his, where there's a little guide on how you can actually test out, you know, VoiceOver for the Mac or JAWS or NVDA, and actually test the thing. Like, I totally encourage people to do that because it is very eye-opening. Sorry for the pun. Like, how horrible the experience really is, basically. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think this was called out by uh, Nathan Hammond and maybe Robert DeLuca in a few of their talks. Mm-hmm. There were some add-ons that kind of introduced some uh, improvements there, uh, if I recall yep, correctly. Yep, Ember uh, A11Y, and there's there's a whole, like, there's some Ember A11Y testing stuff. There's Ember A11Y itself. But the the thing is, those are all still things you have to go look for, right? Like, right. You, yeah. you shouldn't, so, yeah, you so have this to is know more they about, exist, you have to know you want yeah. them. The thing that we need is, we need to say, okay, the out-of-the-box experience is just by default better, right? Like that's, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I don't think there's absolutely. a perfect, but like better is a good step. Yeah, and that was definitely a, a theme that we saw in a couple of different blog posts. And uh, some other things, uh, just to kind of go through them relatively quickly, like query parameters. I know I've run into issues with query parameters myself, just being a little bit finicky to work with, a little bit feel a little bit uh tacked on when the routing system is so nice and then the query parameters are kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Other thing, there's, uh, you know, that tie to the controller level and it's a, it's a whole thing. So that's going to be something that we're going to look forward to and like revisiting in you know, a lot of these blog posts. Packaging, and I think this, Rob, this is a big part of what your blog post was about. Packaging, specifically talking about uh, embroider. Yeah, exactly. So just to be clear, I planned to do multiple blog posts, but I was too scared of trying to make sure I got all the right things at one time. So I decided to do small, multiple smaller ones. So I'm sorry, and you're welcome. But yeah, so the, <laughs> uh, the, the idea with my post is basically just talking about all the things that I think need to land or need to happen for us to be in a better state. Like things like making killing shim packages and just being able to import things from NPM, being able to have targeted builds so that you can have uh, like, uh, you know, target IE11 versus evergreen browsers separately so you don't have to bloat right. the payload for everyone, things like that, right? And yeah. then and another one, probably more controversial one is, I think we should kill lazy engines in favor of just letting anything be lazy. Engines are great, but having the entire build pipeline that has to exist to support the laziness part should just really be a fundamental feature of the overlying packaging system and yeah. you should be able to like make a random add on lazy or yeah. your own. I, I know we talked about we, we talked about that with uh, em, the embroider. We had an embroider episode, basically an episode where it was almost exclusively talking about embroider. And, and there was already some, I don't remember, it's like split loading, yep, basically. Yep. You, I don't you can totally the, experiment. There's a, the, the embroider readme has some, like you can start in like super compatibility mode and then slowly ratchet down the options, you the flags you turn on. And of course, test your app as you do that. But yeah, yeah. one of them is is totally like doing route based splitting, right? So that kind right. of thing. So, and the the target packaging is something that we've kind of had on the horizon for a long time since upgrading to Babel and including the config slash targets yes. JS file. Yes, but we don't support having multiple. That's the problem. So today, the only way to get separate builds for the different targets is to do Ember build twice. Right. 
Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So this the idea here would be to to make that a little bit more streamlined, yeah. and then you would you would have some sort of network layer piece that would say, hey, based off of your user agent, we're going to give you this package. Yeah, but that. there's also some techniques you can do in in like the HTML file where you can add a, a specific attributes to your script tags to say, okay, I'll have this say no module. Like if you add a no module attribute to a script tag. Modern browsers won't even read that. They won't go get that source. It's like says it basically is saying, "Oh, it's only for browsers that don't support module," which, conveniently enough, is like IE eleven. Any browsers that existed prior to the knowledge of that attribute. Right. So, for example, there, so basically, there's ways for you to have like two sets of script tags. One like one vendor JS that's going to be loaded in IE eleven, and a different one that's going to be loaded in. Like evergreen browsers, modern browsers, right? So that so that you your most of your users don't have to pay this cost, if you will. But you right. can still develop. Like maybe you could include the polyfills and whatnot in the one targeting i eleven, and then leave like native classes and like all the awesome like template strings and stuff in in the uh, evergreen browser builds. Yeah, and I think this t- ties into some other things that we've seen in some of these blog posts as well, uh, specifically Embroider, and that's like leaning more on the over- overall JavaScript ecosystem to to make make Ember more appealing to a broader set of people. And I think that that's another thing we definitely saw in I want to say Scott Batson's post. So it, I mean, I feel like there there are a lot of these things are are like there's stuff that's already in the works, and it's just a matter of kind of congealing them into one like cohesive uh, thought process. Yep. That's good. Yep. And there, there's also a couple other things that are less code changes and more community driven, right? There's a, there's a, a few different calls for like better documentation mm-hmm. um, mm, or just yes. um, the calling out the, the landing page redesign and how that's a good thing for companies to see like a, a new modern fresh look for mm-hmm. Ember. And then people just mentioning just, just pumping octane, just, teaching it uh, in meetups and in blog posts, like really just kind of everybody gravitating to using Octane and as the the modern Ember. Yeah, yeah and uh, Octane, Octane makes that, I think, personally, I think Octane makes that really appealing, I, I think, because it, it really is, like, it is such a, like, a good subset of Ember features that you're just like, oh, yeah, this all just kind of works. Well, it also that's... directly addresses, like, some routine long-standing complaints and issues you get from folks that are trying to pick up Ember. It's like, mm-hmm. why, I, I know JS. Like, why do I? What is this? What is this? What does Ember object yeah. extend? What is this? How do this I get my weird. package in uh, accessible? Yeah. Lo- yeah. Lots yeah. of lots of that stuff is just like, uh, quote unquote, solved, right? Like yeah. hard work, lots of work, but like the end user is, okay, great. Now I can use classes. I understand what's happening mm-hmm. now. Right. Um, or decorators, mm-hmm. which is which isn't exactly a perfectly standard feature, but it's really yeah, common <laughs> in JS space. Right? <laughs> I feel like decorators are a tricky thing to but talk about, actually. But it's quite days. it's quite common, is what I mean, right? Like, yeah, no, I mean, it for a long time. Just, Angular I, uses I don't think them. like lots of frameworks yeah, use just, them. I, I feel like that's true, but I feel like no one really knows what they're gonna look like. Like they, no one does. Like the TC thirty nine, there's no resolution there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Though <laughs> I hope that we start moving in the right direction in the next co- coming TC thirty nine meetings. I think yeah, uh, they've redone. The spec, the like thing, it's much less dynamic, which was one of the primary objections, as I understand it, the la- at the last meeting. So, uh, so we we might have a legit chance to <laughs> see some progress. So, hopefully, yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm. So, just to kind of close this up a little bit, one is if you have some thoughts on what you'd like to see the Ember ecosystem doing, now is a really great opportunity to make your voice known to the Ember core. I know that the deadline. I think this is something Robert mentioned. 
The deadline is kind of uh, coinciding with like, or preceding rather, a face-to-face. So I think that the main topic of that face-to-face will likely be a lot of these blog posts to try mm-hmm. to like agree on how all this will work. So now's a really good time to write a blog post and you know voice your opinion, but also a good time to kind of read the ecosystem and see what's going on. So to that end, we're going to link to a bunch of these blog posts, the six we have in our show notes, and then uh, there will be more that follow. And I feel like uh, I'm actually not sure the best place to find them. Is there like a tracking? Uh, so not, a tracking? not yet. There is someone who has put together like a, a repo that's just like a readme with all the links and starts out, it, right now it only has the first three, but there's open PRs to add the rest of the ones that, that we've talked about. So we'll link to it. Hopefully this is kept up and uh, someone keeps on top of it. But who knows if like the, the, we may end up having like a discuss thread or something in uh, discuss.embergist.com as well. It's hard to say. I think part of the thing that we're trying to do is we're trying to let people have time to write the thing and not be in their face with everyone else's post because right. I don't want it to, well, I mean, if it's fine if it's an echo chamber, but like if everyone has the same thoughts, that's like great. That makes it easy for us to know what to focus on. But really, like we want a broad spectrum of ideas and thoughts and what's important to everyone. So we're trying not to like over amplify individual posts and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Okay. Well, once we uh, get closer to the deadline, Ember Weekend will tweet out, uh, the Twitter account will tweet out the whatever aggregation mechanism there is. I'm sure there'll be something like Rob was saying. But until then, we'll post these these articles that we found, and you can probably search for just you know look for EmberJS on Twitter. Check the Discord; those are all good ways to kind of get hooked in the Discuss forum, and just you know try to get your your reading mind in tune with some of the stuff that's going on. We will post this, and yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be good stuff. I'm really excited to read some more blog posts. Okay, that's all we have for this week. Stay tuned. In a couple weeks, uh, we'll have kind of the results of what blog posts came out. And I'm sure there's a ton more RFCs that are in the works that we can talk about then. So that's all we got. I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Robert Jackson. See you next time.